A reading from the letter of Paul to the Galatians. Now before faith came, we were imprisoned and guarded under the law until faith would be revealed. Therefore, the law was our disciplinary until Christ came so that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer subject But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as children. And because you are children, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Father, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a child. And if a child,
being in him was life, and the life was the light of the people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify to the light, so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God, who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. John testified to him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks ahead of me, because he was before me. From his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart has made him known. The Gospel of the Lord. On one hand, 
There are the Christians who are preparing for ministry and theological study. And on the other hand, there are the classicists, those who are studying the ancient languages and cultures for their own sake. Now, of course, there are overlaps between these two categories of students, but there was little doubt in which category the joyful gasters and squeakers belong. These were Christians who were reading their Bible in the original language, unassisted for the first time. They were overjoyed and stunned. But I was not gasping for speaking. And my mood certainly was not joyful. You see, I was among the classicists in the class. I was there to learn my Greek so that I could read Plato and Aristotle, the Hellenic empiricists, and the pre Socratics. And this little detour was unpleasant, to say the least. For me, that back through painful memories. Boy, I had been raised as a devout Christian, trained rigorously in the conservative community of the Presbyterian Church. I had fallen in love with the, the idea of God, the moral project of Christianity, fueled me. Studying theology and history as a teenager, I voraciously consumed any single text I could get. And looking back on it, I think I was probably being rude for ministry and loving every single minute. But then the bottom fell out. I started to ask questions that did not have any easy answers. For instance, how can our petitionary prayer affect God? Hasn't God already chosen what to do since the beginning of time? Or this one. If God is omniscient, and if God subjects us to judgment, and if eternal punishment can follow from that judgment, does that not entail that God creates souls knowing that they will be damned hell? Does this not make God some sort of monster? And, as always, the simplest question was, uh, was the most critical. How can an all-powerful, all-loving God remain? Bad things happen to As I asked these questions as a teen, the answer from my pastors was always the same. Read the Bible carefully. <coughs> the situation ruling out first. The Bible did not have the answers I was seeking. In reading to answer those questions, it seemed that the Bible was actually full of nonsensical mysteries designed to 
And in the moment, in that Greek class, some 12 years ago, the opening to the Gospel of John seemed to be the worst of the worst. As I sat there translating the words on the board, I found myself angry and scoffing. How could this make sense to anyone? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What in the world does that mean? I was in this class to escape this sort of innate mind game. I wanted to read authors who asked and tried to answer the real questions. my translation. Frustrated that this reminder of my previous life path had been flung in my face. However, over the course of the next few months, I began to consider the nuance of the words. Arche, the word translated as beginning, can also mean principle. And logos, the word translated as word, can also be translated in so many different ways that it's mind boggling. Calculation, relation, explanation, structure, law. So I started playing around with my translations. And I came up with something like this The relational structure was of the first principle. The relational structure was with God. The relational structure was God. And it was directed toward God in the primary state. All things were generated by this relational structure, and there were no exceptions. Perhaps it lacks the poetry of the original. Oh. 
Christ perfectly embodies, literally, embodies the word, God's relationship with us. And even figuring out just that one truth took time. And it didn't come the way that I wanted or expected. Much to my surprise, I discovered that I felt God to be closest when I loosened my grip, my questions. When they loosened their grip on me, the silence was whole. And in that silence, I eventually found answers to my questions and much more. By letting go of the way that I wanted to relate, there was room for God to come in and relate to me. This text, this gospel that starts at the beginning, invites us to new beginnings, a renewed relationship to and through the Word. We don't read it. It reads us. So I conclude with a question. Is there anything in the way that is keeping this text
Let us pray for the church and for the world. We pray for the church throughout the world. In the ever-consignable prayer, we pray for the Diocese of Uttishika, Bangladesh, for the worldwide Anglican community and Justin, Archbishop of Canterbury. In our diocesan cycle of prayer, we pray for the ministries of the Church of the Advent, Boston, Christ Church, Old North, Boston, Emmanuel Church, Boston, Ecclesia Ministries and Common Cathedral, Boston, and the Global Mission Partnerships Program. We pray for Catherine, our presiding bishop, and Alan and Gail, our bishops, and for all clergy and other ministers. Grant, Almighty God, that all who confess your name may be united in the truth, live together in your love, and reveal your glory in the world. Lord, in your mercy. We pray for all in authority, remembering especially Barack, our president, Duval, our governor, and Charlie, our governor-elect. Guide the people of this land and of all the nations in ways of justice and peace, that we may honor one another and serve the common goal. Good. Lord, in your mercy. Give us all the reverence for the earth as your own creation that we may use its resources rightly in the service of others and to your honor and glory. Lord, in your mercy. Bless all whose lives are closely linked with ours and grant that we may serve Christ in them and love one another as he loves us. Lord, in your mercy. We pray especially today for Amy, Mary, Emily, Betsy, Dan, Bailey, Susan, Claire, Beverly, Cynthia, Jada, Joan, Kirsty, Mike, Pauline, Jim, Don, Ben, Robin, Phyllis, Minnie, Kathy and Jerry, Weston, Dooley and Mary, Sue, Janet, Pam, Bobby and Ziggy, Dale, Lynn, the Cleary family, Harry, Wynn and Jenny, Spencer and Louisa, Kenneth, Olive, Kathy, Leona, Reverend Stephen, Susan, Deborah, Jan, Edie, Liz, those without jobs, those serving the military, and all who work for peace. Are there brothers? Thank you. 
service and where you can send condolences in next week's insert. And then finally, uh, Marion Rasmussen, you'll remember, uh, she uh, attended with her daughter, uh, Linda, Linda LaTorres. Uh, Marion died also on Christmas Day, and her service will be here at Trinity on Tuesday, this coming Tuesday, at 2 in the afternoon. Please keep those families in your prayers as they mourn the lost
Christ, who by his incarnation gathered 